And the first day I walked in and saw an open plan office with a bunch of Japanese people sat there, mm. I thought, fucking hell, what have I, <laughs> <laughs> Why? What Why? Have I done? Welcome back to Small Talk Japan. On this podcast, we talk about all things Japan in English. My name is Michi. My co-host is... Alex. Ah. Hello. It's actually not Ski. No, it's not. And not our ski. special <laughs> guest today <laughs> is... Our special guest today is... You're pointing at me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Natsuki. <laughs> our special guest today is... Alex. Alex. All right. Okay. God damn it. Don't yeah. you guys know what your roles are? No, no idea, man. <laughs> anyway, long time, turned up. long time uh, friend of this show, Alex, uh, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Where? What do you do? Where are you from? Hi, I'm Alex. I'm from England. I've been living in Kagoshima for like, what, 15 years? God. 15. Yeah, a long time. Go home already. Jeez. Nah, you go home, man. God. I'm not going home. <laughs> All right. <I'm> going home. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I work at a place called Sengayen, which is like a big kind of stately home, Japanese garden, very cool place to visit. World Heritage Site. Here in Kagoshima. Yeah, here in Kagoshima. Yeah, uh, that's me. <laughs> All right, Alex, can I, let's, now we invited you on the show today because I wanted to talk to you. Last, uh, one of the previous shows that we did, we talked about women in the workplace in Japan. Yeah, yeah. And today's show, I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, the international, global workers in in the in the workplace here in Japan, so yeah. non Japanese people working for Japanese companies. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But before we get into that, I want to get into your background a little bit. Now, so you're from Sheffield. Sheffield, yeah. Can you tell us what what is where is what is Sheffield? Sheffield is a world famous city, one of the best <laughs> in the world, um, in Northern England, uh, Yorkshire. It's like an industrial kind of town. I heard you guys make steel. Yeah, I used to make steel. Yeah, loads of steel. Uh, what else have we got? We've got lots of hills around the outside. We got some hills. Yeah, we've got some outside. hills, some steel, football teams. Yeah. What's, your, what's your football team? Sheffield Wednesday. These are called the Wednesdays. It's Wednesday. It's, yeah, no, it's Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. The so, name of the team is called Wednesday. Yeah, because they used to play on Wednesday. I guess I don't know. Really? Are, 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 <laughs> I don't know if you're screwing with me or if you're being honest. No, it's true. It's real. Their name is Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, and Sheffield United. This too. What? Yeah. Hey, is Yorkshire Terrier dog is a dog of England? Yeah, it's from Yorkshire. Yorkshire. <laughs> that's, that's why it's called the Yorkshire Terrier. The hint's kind of in the name, right? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, what else have we got? Yorkshire puddings. Yeah, no? Wait, Nothing. wait, wait. Sheffield and Yorkshire, Yorkshire are two different places, right? Yorkshire. Yorkshire? Yorkshire? I don't know. I've Yorkshire, never, yeah. I've never been to your country, it's man. It's not Lord of the Rings, man. Um, <laughs> I, I think I learned most of my information about your country from Lord of the Rings. Well, true. Yeah, it's kind of. I suppose there are some similarities. Uh, isn't um, Lord of the Ring from New Zealand? What? What's it was filmed it in was New filmed Zealand. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> but the the writer is from England. He's oh, okay. an English, English okay. man. Very yeah. famous guy. He, yeah. he he used to be a professor at Oxford. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he used to get drunk in the pub and and write Lord of the Rings. 
Is that yeah. the story? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Along with, uh, what was that other Christian guy? Uh, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, yeah, yeah. 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 Although C.S. Lewis is way more forward about his Christian overtones, and uh, and uh, Tolkien was way kind of like, you know, around the bush about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were both writing about Jesus. Yeah, I remember reading the Narnia things at school, Narnia Chronicles or whatever. It was good, you know. Yeah, Lion. Yeah, Lion, a witch. In the wardrobe. The wardrobe. <laughs> You know what we're no talking idea. about? No, no idea. No. All right. Okay. Well, Natsuki, you're not, you're not geeky enough for this. No. no. I'm not geek enough for it. <laughs> she's too cool, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's too cool. All right. Yeah. So Sheffield is known for steel. Steel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah. Steel. Now, 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 Alex, you're an interesting character because, you know, you moved from England mm-hmm. to Kagoshima here in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you took up an interesting uh, hobby when you got here. Yeah, actually, well, can, can we call it a hobby? Is that a hobby? Well, uh, kind of. Yeah, I suppose more lifestyle type thing, I guess, if you wanted to call it that. But I did it in England before as well, before I came to Japan. Now, of course, we're talking about Jigenryu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You did Jigenryu before you come to Japan? No, I did a different style of swordsmanship before uh, I kendo. came Kendo. Yeah. So I did a bit of Iaido, which oh. is like drawing the sword and cutting with it, and Kendo as well. Iaido. Iaido, yeah. Mm. It's um, like, it's it's like, is it, is it like Kendo or what's... Iaido is like, basically, you've got a sword, which is like um, either a real sword or a kind of practice sword with no edge on it. And okay. you practice drawing it and cutting with it at the same time. Uh, so you see that all the time in samurai movies where like the samurai will just sit there with his sword sheathed and then like when the got, enemy runs yeah. up, they just take it out and kill everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one swoop. That kind of thing, yeah. So, uh, so basically, you wanted to look cool. Basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw like a movie called uh, Lone Wolf and Cub or Shogun Assassin, I think it's called in English. Kozure uh, Okami. Oh, yeah. You know, but right? it's a very old It's old, one. right? Yeah. But I thought it was really cool. So mm-hmm. I thought I'd, I'd like to do that. Now, Alex, <laughs> you've been into Japanese culture for a long time. What, what, what got you into Japanese culture? Because you, you liked Japanese culture back in England. Yeah, I did. Yeah, um, I think like when I was a kid, mm-hmm. um, my mum hosted like students that came over to England oh. for like afternoon tea and stuff like that. Our house from mm-hmm. Japan. Yeah, from Japan. Oh. Yeah. So Sheffield University's got like a big Japanese department. Oh, so they I brought see. people over from that. Um, so I got to know them a bit, and I was thinking, where are they from? What's this kind of language they're speaking? What are these presents they're bringing over? Uh, can um, you tell us? Afternoon tea is not tea in the afternoon, is it? Uh, well, no, it is. <laughs> yeah. Isn't there like, isn't there like more to it than just that? Well, it's like uh, about three o'clock. They have like uh, tea and scones and cakes and sandwiches and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like a whole um, ordeal. And like apparently, if you go to a, a restaurant or a cafe in England and get afternoon tea, it's not cheap. No, it's not. It's expensive, man. Yeah, mm. right. You know, in America, you call it high tea, right? I don't think so. No, I think you do. I, I'm not cultured <laughs> enough to know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they call it high tea in America or royalty or some shit like I don't know. Royalty is the thing. That, it's like your, your queen and your prince royalty. Yeah. Well, let's, <laughs> let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get onto that either. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like cakes and sandwiches uh, in the afternoon. It's like a snack. So when they came up with afternoon tea originally they used to eat breakfast in the morning yeah. and dinner at like 8 p.m at night yeah because like your english breakfast is ridiculous right it's like a thousand plus calories yeah, yeah. yeah they didn't eat that though i mean that's like a modern modern thing right? is it i thought i thought the farmers ate a crap ton of calories and then went and worked on the fields for a while yeah they might have done that but like afternoon tea is the aristocracy right it's the posh people ah. so they kind of like you know had a small breakfast like god knows what they ate no idea <laughs> um and then you know afternoon tea was a filler 
Ah, so, before so dinner. Yeah, so you wouldn't feel too tired mm. in the afternoon. Oh, okay. So yeah. these students, these Japanese students, would go to England, and yeah. then your mother would host some afternoon tea parties. Yeah, we had like a fairly big garden, so she'd make scones and all that kind of stuff. Nice. And then hand them out to them. Mm. And, That's cool. Uh, yeah. Mm. And that was when I was like 10 or 11, I think. Um, and after that, my mom went to Japan, like in the 90s. Okay. Oh, really? Early 90s, yeah. She went over on her own. Like a vacation? Yeah, yeah. To visit one of the people who came over that they got friendly with or whatever. Mm. And she went for two weeks all around Japan. And his family actually made kimono for sumo wrestlers. Whoa. Mm. So she got to meet uh, Kitano Fuji um, and Hokutomi and all these other kind of famous wrestlers at the time. Mm. And they actually brought her into the uh, dosho where they practice. Really? And she was, I think she might have been the first... Women? Western woman to watch practice at this particular dojo or something. Yeah. Like because because yeah. sumo is notorious for not allowing women in various places. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like but, like sumo is very not. I don't want to say sexist, but they like they figure it's a, it's a only men's sport. Yeah, in a lot there was of ways. some incident a couple of years back maybe where some women went on the the ring, you know, mm-hmm. and they had to re redo it all or something. I can't remember. What it they was had to clean it, clean it from the women's filth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, like sumo has like some seriously deep feelings about women in their sport yeah that is true yeah but i suppose if you were in a giant nappy you know you will feel like that (laughs) have you ever met a real sumo wrestler before yeah yeah a couple of times they look they look like little babies because you watch (laughs) them on television but then when you oh mate they're massive yeah but when you meet them in person they're i mean i'm 183 centimeters tall i look up at these guys they're like two meters tall and then on top of that they're like you know 200 kilograms yeah Mm. huge and you're just like god you're so big Yeah, but very friendly most of the time as well. Like, you know. I think if you're that big, you got to be friendly, right? Well, true, yeah. You know. There's no need to be aggressive when you're huge. You're like, there? no so, one's challenging them, right? That's true. I've seen a couple of them drinking like restaurants around here, and like they, they come in with their entourage, right? It's not just right. them. Mm-hmm. It's like them, their, their manager, and a bunch of women. Always women. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'm just like, wow, you guys have a life. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should become a sumo wrestler. You got to start <laughs> eating now. <laughs> I've got the kind of beer gut coming on a little bit. So. I, don't, I don't think they just have beer guts, man. I think it's more than no, that. No, it's more muscle than that. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, something to aim for. <laughs> something to aim for. So you came here. Uh, so your mom came here. She saw yeah, some yeah. sumo yeah, yeah. R- uh, practice, which is cool. Yeah, she went all over Japan. Um, In the 90s. 90s, yeah. So, so like went- the good time. Yeah, like, you know, bubble period. Mm. There was no other foreign tourism, really. I mean, obviously, foreign people were here, you know. Tourists. Not that many, probably, yeah. Yeah, very few tourists. Um, yeah, so she brought those photos back, and I was like, oh, cool, I want to go to Japan. Mm. But when I was a kid, like, I was a really picky eater, right? Mm. So I didn't like eating rice or, you know, noodles and stuff even. You didn't so like was, rice? No, I hated rice. What? I don't know why. How do you hate rice? I don't know. just didn't like it. Like, <laughs> how were you, were you guys, like, making it wrong or something? Like... No, I, I was really picky. I didn't eat anything like when I was a kid. And what, then, was, what was your favorite then? My favorite thing? Oh, God, no. It's probably like burgers and stuff. You know what <laughs> I mean? I don't know. Junk food. Just junk food. Fish finger sandwiches or something like that, you know. I, I, my image of like uh, uh, food in, in, uh, in England is like, English food is like, there's like three different types. There's like the meat pie, there's yeah. like the English breakfast, and there's like afternoon tea. Everything else you guys eat is just foreign foods. Fish and chips. Uh, fish and chips. But do people actually eat that many fish and chips if they're not in a pub? No, not really. But oh. I mean, there's like lots of other kind of food as well, right? From regions and things like that. Uh, from I mean, other countries, right? Yeah, well, there's a lot of food from other countries too, right? America's all food from other countries, Dude, right? American food, I, I'm white on the outside, but not very white on the inside. I don't really understand white people food. Like when I go to like the South and they're eating, have you ever seen shit on a shingle have you ever heard this before (laughs) what yeah shit on a shingle is gravy like 
white gravy on toast. That sounds it's disgusting. Horrible. White people in America, you're disgusting. I don't understand. <laughs> like they eat like everything has butter in it or oh. gravy in it or or oil in it, and it's just like ah, oh, it makes me want to throw up. I can't eat that stuff. Uh, but they need the calories, right? That's why they eat so. They stuff. needed the calories mm-hmm. back when they were farmers. Yeah. That's why if you see Americans in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, they're like skinny, right? Mm-hmm. And then you see Mar- Americans in the you know recent time, and they're like. Because they're eating the same food, but they're not doing the same work. Well, you we don't have to go to work out in the fields and but drive they're, everywhere, right? They're yeah, still so, eating that yeah. diet, and they're sitting in front of a computer, you know, in an office, and wondering why they're fat. Well, you're what, eating nine thousand calories a day. What are grits? I never really. Knew I don't what know. Grits I are. think this is a question for Josh. Josh, do you know what a grit is? See, we we're not very good at being white. <laughs> so I had a, a friend who was like talking about grits and eggs all the time, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" You know what I mean? Grits sound like a like a like a muffin that you. I don't know. What hash browns. Grits is a porridge made from boiled cornmeal. There you go. Mm. No, nothing about your own country. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know anything about that part of my country because, you know, that's not the fun part. I mean, it, it, well, it's quite a big country, to be fair, right? So, like, yeah. where, where I'm from, like, we, uh, most of our, like, we see regions of the world is like like what we want to eat for dinner that day right like let's do chinese or let's do japanese or let's do indian right yeah, yeah yeah so we have all the world's food so it's like i never feel like i have to because like what is american food americans american food is basically shittier english food right <laughs> well yeah i guess so and larger <laughs> larger as larger well. with yeah. more like oil and junk in it and corn lots of corn yeah i like corn yeah I like corn, though, to be fair. I mean, like, every now and then, like, for Thanksgiving or for Christmas, eating that stuff is fine. Yeah. But could you imagine eating that stuff every day? I heard American people use, like, plastic plates for Christmas or disposable plates. Is that right? I don't know if it's true or not. You know what? See, that's the thing. Okay, so my family didn't really do a Christmas like most families did, so I can't really comment. But I don't think that you're supposed to. Right. (laughs) I mean, in movies, they don't. So I don't think you're supposed to, but... I don't know where I heard that. Maybe it's just... It might be like if they gather all the families together, it might just be easier to use, like, throwaway plates or something. True, yeah. But I think for... I don't want to disparage Americans. I don't know. Well, I like America, man. It's a cool place. You it's know. A... Have you been? Yeah, loads of times, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. Not right now, but it usually is fun. Yeah. Get better, America. I'm rooting for yeah, you. Get better. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, getting back to, to your mom. So she went home yeah, after yeah. being in the country for a little bit, and then she sure. you, you saw the pictures, and you're like, America. That look, uh, Sorry, Japan. That looks fun. Yeah, I was like, I want to go there. Um, and then she's like, no, you can't, because you can't eat anything. So you'll die if you go to Japan. <laughs> treating, Jap- treating Japanese students in your house was your mom's job? Well, no, no, she just like was friends with somebody at the university. Oh, okay. So they brought them over and, you know, hmm. she just thought it was fun. So it was like a volunteer. Yeah, she was just interested in Japan, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I mean, during that time, like Japan was all in the Western media, right? 80s and 90s was all about Japanese culture in America and England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't that where somebody else's mother met her, his father and then fell in love and that's how we got that guy over there? <laughs> He's just smiling. He just nods. Nodding. Yes. Nodding. Yes. Yep. <laughs> we'll get the full story one day. One day. I've one heard day. it before. It's great. It's great. But anyway, so getting back to you. So you when you when did you actually finally come to Japan? So I came in two thousand five. So two thousand five, so fifteen left, years ago. Yeah, I left it a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that period I became able to eat anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I came on the jet program. Uh, yeah, so you were an ALT when you first got here. Yeah, yeah. But you, so you, but unlike a lot of ALTs, when you got here, you immediately started getting involved in the culture. 
Yeah, well, I, I was like, I worked before I was in ALT. Mm -hmm. So I worked for about five years in IT companies and stuff in the UK. Mm. Um, and then uh, came here not much more mature than most ALTs, to be honest with you. Well, uh, but so, so guys, a lot of ALTs come to Japan. It's like their first job out of college and they're maniacs. They mm. just, they go crazy. They drink all the time. They party because they it's basically like an extension of college for them. Mm, it ruined their life, though, yeah. It doesn't, ruin, it, doesn't ruin it doesn't ruin their lives. It might ruin the lives of the people around them. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, I did yeah, I did a lot of drinking though when I first came here as well. Everybody <laughs> does. Can't complain. But um yeah, um, you know, I was just kinda interested in Japan and wanted to to move out here and then uh obviously the cultural side brought me here. So I wanted to spend more time doing that. So I thought rather than hanging around with loads of other foreign people as well might be more interesting to try and get into the culture deeply. Yeah, while you're here. So that's while I'm here, yeah. <laughs> well, my plan was to stay for like uh, a year or two years mm. and then maybe go back again. Um, and it just turned into 15. It just kept going, you know. Because you met your wife here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I met my mm. wife after two weeks. Can we, after, yeah, can we tell the story a little bit about that? Because I've heard this before, but this is a great story. So you just got here. <laughs> yeah. You're fresh off the plane. Yeah. You don't, do you speak Japanese at this point? No, not at all. Maybe a little, but I said, could say like, konnichiwa or something like that. I don't know. You can say hello. Yeah. Okay. It's good. Yeah, good start. So how did, <laughs> how did you meet your wife? Like, because your wife is Japanese, right? Yeah, she's Japanese, yeah. So we, I was in um, the office or whatever and had like an hour for lunch. So I went out and I thought I'd get a haircut because uh, I had some time. Um, and I walked past these two girls in the park who were sat down like drinking beer for some reason. So I was like, all oh, right. In the middle of the day. Yeah. I thought, oh, you look, you look like a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, my wife's friend said like hello to me in English or whatever. Um, I, I don't, I can't remember exactly what she said. She used to, she learned English from watching like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and stuff like that. Those are like really violent gangster movies. So she's got like a really bad vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> so some a lot of swear words were used. I think not in a bad way, but mm. you know. Um, so I, I basically just said hello, and then I went off, got my hair cut because I only had like an hour, right? So I came back. And they were still sat there. So I said, uh, do you want to go out for a drink in the evening tonight? I've got some friends who are in the office as well. They might want to come out too. We can all go out together. So we went out with a big group of people, like all together. That's cool. Uh, and then just kind of managed to go out from there, I think. One thing led to another. One thing led to another, you know. Now, now your wife at the time, uh, she spoke English, right? Yeah, she spoke English, yeah. yeah. Now, she had did a homestay or study abroad in California? Where did she go? She went to Sonoma. Uh, she went twice to the US. Went somewhere in the, in the kind of Midwest area as well, I think, um, which wasn't so good apparently. So I, I've uh, never, I've never heard this, but apparently before uh, Alex's wife used to speak with a, a American accent, but now she speaks decidedly with a British accent. Yeah, yeah, I corrected it. I corrected it. Yeah. You fixed it. I fixed it. Fixed it. <laughs> so now she's a yeah proper English speaker. Mm. Proper English. She's she's posh. Posh. Yeah. She, I think she did that herself from watching like period dramas and stuff. You know what I mean? No, but she does. She speaks English very very well. Now at your guys's house, I mean, do, how do you communicate? Is it English or Japanese? All English. It's all English. Yeah, because like when we first met, I couldn't speak Japanese, so it feels weird. Like when you've got that kind of language set, mm. it's hard to change it. So it's like you know. It might speak Japanese in public a little bit, but not so much. But it's also good for the kids, right, to speak in, in English at home. Yeah, yeah, sure. The problem is that they talk to each other in Japanese. 
Uh, so if you can break that down and get them speaking in English, they'll get a lot better English quickly. But, yeah. you know, it takes time. So so now you get married like right mm. off the bat. Like you've been here for like, what, a year or so? And then you get married. Yeah. Yeah. So then you're in ALT, you're married. Yep. Y- you get kids. Yep. And then an ALT job is only five get year. Kids. Five year contract, right? You only can do it for five years. Yeah. So then you stop the, the contract ends. Now you're, you're five years into J- your J- Japanese life. You got a wife and two kids. And now you have no job. Yep. What do you do? And how old are you, by the way, at this point? So w- wait, when I came, I was 25, but I turned 26 straight away. So I was like 26. 30, 30 31. 26 basically. So 30, 31, yeah. Um, and yeah, as you said, like, you know, no job. Oh, so uh, you did ALT for five years? Five years. Oh, okay. So you could, basically you can do it for three mm-hmm. like, and recontract every year and then you can extend for another two years. Okay. But because I had small kids uh, and I was kind of doing my cultural hobbies as well, mm. I, I kind of stayed on for the whole five, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, why not? It's, it's not? it's not bad pay. Yeah, it's good pay and it's, fairly, it's easy, really. By the it's way, how pay. long did you do ALT, Mitch? How me, long did I? me, oh, one year. One year. And I said, yeah, screw uh, this program. I'm out of yeah. this. It was, I mean, it's I, like if you have a, a wife, kids, if you have your hobbies, tolerating the ALT job for five years, I can understand. But for me, I had no wife, no children and really no hobbies. And I was just like, F this stupid job. Being an ALT <laughs> was the stupidest yeah. waste of time I've ever done in my entire life. I but hated you were in the sticks as well, right? Though? In the sticks, but even then, like the... Like I told them, I was like, guys, I'm educated. Give me responsibility. This is what we want to talk about later on. But yeah, yeah. I was like, give me responsibility. I will I will work hard for you guys. And they were like, sit down and just play on your computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll continue to pay your salary. And I was like, yeah, no, goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Well, I spent that time. I did actually do a lot of reading and stuff like that. So I learned to read Japanese and I learned mm-hmm. to speak Japanese. Mm-hmm. When they did the Japanese classes, the English classes explaining the English grammar, I reverse engineered it and learned Japanese grammar through that. See, so like, it's useful. See, so Alex used his ALT time because there's a lot of downtime on the job to study Japanese. Yeah. I did do that, but it just felt weird for me to take a salary in order to study for my, you know what I mean? Like if, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. paying me taxpayer money, I, I want to do something. I want to mm. produce something. And they're just like, sit down and play on your computer or study Japanese. I'm like, yeah, yeah. screw this job. Goodbye. But I think like now I can pay it back there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, so, no, no. I'm not saying that you, in your particular case, that was a problem. I'm just saying in my particular case, I was just like, no. And I was also in a small town and like they were cash strapped. Yeah, yeah. But they're still paying my salary and everybody else's salary was lower than my salary. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's just the weird thing about the JET program, right? Because they want, um, you know, they have to pay a certain amount to get people the right visa right. to come in, like an educator's visa. Mm. And it's much higher than the skill set that the people that come in actually have. Absolutely. They're overpaid. ALTs are overpaid. Mm. Yeah, miles overpaid. Yeah. <laughs> especially for Kagoshima. Yeah, mm. especially because the, the salary is set in the larger regions like Tokyo and things like that. Mm. And then they apply it just flat across the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cost of living here is nothing compared to Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, when you finish, though, there is a sense of entitlement that you think I've got, oh, I've been paid this much so far, so why can't I get paid the same so amount? So it drives up the prices of yeah. private English education in Japan. And you realize very quickly when you start working that, you know, that salary is not achievable immediately. You've got no, to wake up to reality, man. You know especially I mean? so. with the skill set that they come. You know, ALTs don't need any educational background. They, don't, they only need a college degree in anything. 
Yeah. I mean, they can have a college degree in underwater basket weaving and they can get a job as an ALT. And then, you know, they come in, not all of them, but a lot of them come in with like this chip on their shoulder, like, oh, I'm an ALT. I know what I'm talking about. When a lot of them have no idea what they're doing. So like I said, it ruins your life, right? Because their, you... <laughs> their lives. Their okay. lives. Yeah, their lives. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. So okay, okay. Was... <laughs> okay. So, but it is a good experience, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a good experience. It gets people to come to Japan. Mm-hmm who might not have come otherwise. Mm. And I do know a lot of people who stayed behind that did good things as well. Yeah. Um, I think so. as an exchange program, it's good, right? If yeah, you yeah. come, you stay one or two years and you go home, mm-hmm. it's like a soft power, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Japan projecting soft power, meaning everybody loves Japan, goes home with that I love Japan feeling. Yeah. They spread that I love Japan feeling to other people, and then it's good for the country. Okay, I take my word back. <laughs> <laughs> but the you know the ones that stay for life but then also have the entitlement that's the problem, right? Yeah, we, yeah, don't, yeah. we don't want to, we, anyway. But you can get a kind of chip on your shoulder as well about it, right? Thinking like, you know, I've been mistreated or whatever or, you know. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's pretty cushy life, you know. It's, it's not a hard It's so it's, it's so it's so plush. It's so comfort. I mean, like, dude, yeah. you work under 40 hours a week. You're asked to do basically no research, none of your own prep. You just show up. Mm. And you get twenty holidays a year, including weekends off. Sounds like fun. And every every national holiday, and you get paid more than most of the other teachers that you're working side by side with. <laughs> Josh is shaking his head now, and this. And it's like then then uh, anyway, I don't want to anyway screw ALTs up uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> So, Harsh. <laughs> this podcast turned into reality. Yeah. Reality so central. Let's, let's get, okay, so Alex, so you were you were an ALT for five years, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. thirty-one years old, ALT yeah. contract runs out. Yeah. So the easy life is finished. Right. Easy yeah. life is finished. Now yeah. it's time to get real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Two kids and a wife. Yeah. What do you do? What did I do? Well, you know, I built up some good relationships over that time. So mm. I did make you know friends with the teachers I was working with and got contacts there. Mm. So the first thing that happened to me was one of the teachers introduced me to somebody who wanted um, somebody for a local TV show. So this oh, program, I remember this. You remember Ken it? Navi. Ken Navi, yeah. I remember this now, yeah, yeah. So I was a reporter for this kind of Japanese uh, local government TV show mm-hmm. uh, talking about all the new programs mm-hmm. they're doing. Yeah, explain what, like what does Ken Navi do? So Ken Navi is basically like the local government uh, showing off about all the new projects they've come up with. <laughs> so they do it every Sunday or something like for about 10 minutes on Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And they obviously thought that having like a foreign dude doing it would make it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Were you the um, first one? Because they've, they've done a couple since. No, no, I wasn't the first one. There was a, a couple before me um, and then uh, a few after as well. But I think it's changed back to Japanese people now. But It's probably easier that way. Yeah, much easier. Because they used to give you a script like about uh, five days before the program. Yeah. And they'd be like, memorize this mm. and it's all just in Japanese mm. so that was a massive hurdle mm. to get over the director was going to be like while we we're shooting it he's going uh, what if the camera runs out of battery what are you going to do then because you've done so many bad takes <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. going, you're not even making sense in Japanese like do it again you know so so you, it was you had to memorize yeah. they, didn't, they didn't give you cue sheets or anything they had no, you memorize sheets. it no so we did it we cut it quite a lot because it wasn't live um but just remembering it and kind of getting it out on the camera was really hard. And diction as well, it's very, very difficult. Yeah, because you're probably, with every new script, you're probably learning a hundred new words. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. like, I don't know any of these kanji. I have to I have to start from scratch on this. But because it was like local government, it was all really long words. Mm. Like, chishan, chisou, sushin kyoku, or something like that. Four, ka- four kanji words, four kanji words. You're like six, man. Like, seriously. Yeah. Like long, long so stupid. Words. 
But um, yeah, no, it was, it was fun though to do. I got to see a lot of places around the prefecture, and um, my Japanese went uh, got a lot better. Yeah, as it does. Time. Dude, I was on TV for five years, and like within the first year of being on TV, my Japanese went like that because it yeah. has to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, it's either like it's all like you know, sink or swim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? It's not easy though. I mean, you get a lot of respect for people on TV. Mm. You know, you know, being able to talk and continue a conversation, and you know keep it going even your native language it's hard man it's yeah it's job, very, you, you know? know you think that the it's a language barrier it's not you actually have to be very smart and be on top of the conversation all the time to interview people yeah and then in my case like a lot of what i was doing was live that mm -hmm. puts a separate layer of pressure on you yeah yeah you're yeah. like you know you get to sweat on the back of your neck the entire time <laughs> you're doing it it's, yeah it's, it's good fun we did that radio program recently, right? Three yeah, hour, three hour live. You were drunk the whole time. What are you talking about? Yeah, we, I got there because you can. It was at nighttime. Yeah. What was the name of it? Uh, I've totally forgotten. <laughs> it was uh, on NBC Radio. NBC it, Radio. It, it, music Express. Music Express. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it was. Yeah, we did mm. three hours straight. Yeah, it was fun. That was good, man. Yeah, they told me to bring some drinks. So I was like, cool. We didn't <laughs> drink in the studio, though. I will. Mm. Alex said some point. things that. When you just listen to the words in English, they don't mean anything bad. But if you're a native speaker and you listen to it, it was really bad. Yeah. He said some coded, dirty things. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so after being an LT, you got a gig doing Ken Nabi. Yeah. And then uh, somebody else introduced me to uh, Kokusai Daigaku, the International University mm -hmm. of Kagoshima. So I did classes there mm -hmm. as well, teaching English. So you're basically mm. like hodgepodging your, your work together to like survive. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And then I started an English school, same time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, your own English school. Yeah, I started my own English mm. school. Um, and at the same time, I started to work for a Renshinkan Karate, which oh, okay. is like the uh, karate organization. Uh, and what did they, you do? You teach karate for kids? No, no, they had like a global contest in oh, Kagoshima okay. with uh, about 130 odd people mm -hmm. from all around the world coming. Okay. So they wanted me to run um, the foreign segment of it. Oh, so I I basically, I booked the flights. Oh, I got, that's cool. Got visas for them, you know, got the hotels, did everything. I divvied up the budget, who got how much money. Bloody nightmare! No, did you? Have, so this, is, this is like management stuff here. Did you have management experience before you did any of this, or is this like your, your your introduction to management and budgeting? I mean, that was probably the introduction to it really. I mean, like when I worked in uh, in the UK in the IT company. I mean, it was like it it wasn't that kind of role, right? Oh, it was just yeah, like, yeah. You know, systems engineer type, a lot of support kind of stuff. You know. But one thing I want to say about you, Alex, is that you know you are a very clever guy, and so when you get into a situation, no matter what the the task is, you research your way through it. I feel, mm. I feel like you always have a lot of information about whatever the current task you're doing. Right. Yeah. Like some people just like half-ass things and like, oh, I'll figure it out. But you actually will will link a lot of shit to me. You'll like you'll talk about in detail all these little like new things and projects you're working on. I think you you actually get interested in what you're doing. Well, I think for me, like, because I'm naturally quite a lazy person. Actually, okay. You know, <laughs> I have to force myself to be motivated and force myself to be kind of outgoing and stuff as well. How much does your wife play a role in this? Um. I think when we did the English school at first, quite a big role because, you know, it's sink or swim. You know, yeah. you've got to do it. So she was pushing me continuously to, to, you know, to improve and things like that. And if you run your own business, as you well know, you've got to be able to do everything. Yeah. Because if you can't cover something, you know, you could just go bust yep. at any time. So it gives you a skill set that's so broad. You know, I tell you, being an entrepreneur and like learning, especially in a foreign country, not only do you learn about that country's business practices, you also learn what their cost, the customer needs are and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, it's such a, 
it's a humbling experience. Yeah, yeah. It really makes you be resourceful. Like yeah. every connection and every person you meet, you know, this person might be help to me in the future. So mm. I need to, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, keep everybody in, in, you know, close contact and, you know, mm. and, and, you know, keep, keep your friends close. It's, 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 it's a real survival mode you get into. I, mean, I got a lot of help when I started out. So people helped us with the classroom and everything. The rent was quite low because we knew the landlord. Mm. Uh, people helped us out with the promotion and stuff, but I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. So I just thought if I sit here and put some flyers out, people are going to come. And nobody came at first. Right. So I went in at 9 a.m. every day and waited till like 5. Because I thought you work from 9 to 5, right? Right. So that's that's what I've got to do. I've got to be there at so this time. So you're trying to be an ALT again. Yeah. You're well, like, I, I just show up. Well, I just show up and do it. You know, I thought that's how it would work. And yeah. it didn't, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I answered the phone when people called up. I was just like, mushy, mushy. <laughs> and they were just like, catch up, hang up straight away. Mm. You know, if you don't speak business Japanese, yeah. you're not a serious business. No one's going to take you seriously. They wouldn't in England if you phoned up. And you spoke to them in broken English on the phone. Dude, I just like, recently I, mm. I booked tickets on this eDreams.com. You suck. I hate you, eDreams. <laughs> I, I called them up for like, they had, I had so much trouble with them. And I called them up. Not only does it, it's impossible to get a hold of somebody, but when you do get a hold of somebody, they're in some call center in like India or China or something. And mm. I couldn't understand what they were saying to me, yeah. even though they're supposedly speaking English. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I wanted to hang up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's, it was uh, hard. I mean, I learned, you know, Kegel through doing that as well. Yeah. Like trial and error, getting hung up on quite a lot. Now, now, how know. much is the wife helping you in this role? Because, I mean, she has to be instrumental. To, oh, like... yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, she ran all the finance side of things at the start because obviously doing finance in Japanese is hard. Yeah, it's impossible, mm. if you, yeah. you know. It's it's impossible for most the regular Japanese people to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get somebody who doesn't understand the kanji to begin with in there. It's like crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's all kind of legal requirements that you've got to know as well. So she did a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, and I worked mainly on the kind of design side of things, promotion, you know, getting students in. And slowly we got a trickle of people that came. And then we got some contracts with like kindergartens and, you know, daycare centers and things like that. So you hustled. We hustled it, you know what I mean? Can I, can I ask you this? Yeah. Uh, when I established my businesses, uh, I think that they, are on, they were only possible because of the sheer volume of love that I got from the people here in Kagoshima. Oh, yeah. yeah like yeah. everybody is just like, oh, they see you working hard yeah and then everybody just wants to get behind you and cheer for you yeah, yeah yeah and if it wasn't for that i don't think that i would have the businesses that i have well i wouldn't have stayed if i didn't feel like you know uh and i do you know sometimes criticize people here and things like that and the things that they do but i criticize them because i like being here yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and i want it to be better and i can mm. see how it could be better in some ways and i also see how i could be better in some ways as well you know um, and coming to you know terms with that and balancing it up is, is something I kind of want to keep doing. But okay, now yeah. I understand why you guys are keep criticizing yeah. <laughs> about everything. It's positive, but, constructive criticism. Okay, though. You know, okay. It's not just slagging off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think Natsuki, that's an important point. Like we, I think that me and Alex, because we've we've devoted our lives to this place, mm -hmm. right? So that we, because we have this love for mm. the community here, when you see a very obvious little problem that could just so easily be fixed. Mm -hmm. It annoys you that it's there. You're like, yeah, yeah. everybody, look, we can fix this problem to make it so much better. And everybody's like, no, no, no. It's like, no, no, it's really simple. Look, it's right there. It's right there. You know, <laughs> and if everybody's acknowledges, like, okay, let's fix it, then it's not a problem. But if the problem just continues and continues and then everybody knows it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then a lot of times the responses, we'll talk about this later, but a lot of times it's like, ah, montai nai or shoganai or shikata ga nai. Yeah, like, just leave it there. Yeah, you're like, mm -hmm. come on, guys. What are you doing? Don't, don't give up. But anyway. 
I mean, it's not like we can come here and fix everything. That's not the deal at all. No, no, you know, no. It's just like there's a few little things that could be changed to improve things, and that's all it is. You know, mm. it's not like we're coming to tell people, you know, who are from Kagoshima and live here how to live their lives. Not there's at not, all. Nothing like that at all. But, you know, just there are some things that could be done a little bit better. And because we've lived somewhere else, yeah, you we've can got compare. another perspective. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, now, getting back to your, so you had your school, you established your school, you ran it for, I think, seven years? Yeah, seven years, yeah. So you yeah. ran your school for seven years and then uh, an associate that you brought on board, uh, at some point there was a handoff where he took over the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you got an opportunity to work where you're working now. And this yeah. is what I'm really curious about. How to, Tell us a little bit, where are you working and how did you get into this company? So, well, we got into it because, um, well, you know, because you did it with me. <laughs> uh, 10X. I know, we're trying to tell them. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I know. I'm, I'm leading into that. Okay. <laughs> uh, TEDx. Yeah. You know, we did TEDx in Kagoshima, mm. right? So we did, uh, you know, the TED mm-hmm. uh, independent events or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, various companies sponsored that event. You know, people were quite interested in it. Actually, it went went pretty well. I think you it, know. it was a very scholarly, highbrow event that we. You know, honestly, that was an interesting thing for you to to come up with that idea. Uh, Alex, this was like 2000, I think 14-ish or something like that. Alex just approaches me one day. He's like, "Hey, I want to bring Ted to Kagoshima for TEDx Kagoshima. Mm. I think we have a lot of cultural." good things here that we could talk about and it'd be really interesting to do are you on board i was like hell yes let's do it we brought a bunch of other people on board and then but the the first initial person who raised his hand and said let's do it was alex yeah and then we built out the team from there and then we needed sponsorship obviously and yeah. then the main sponsor became shimazu, right? shimazu. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, so was ted already famous at that time no. in the, in, not in japan not i mean in obviously japan. globally I mean, in the over, yeah, globally. yeah really big oh, okay. um but um, not in Kagoshima, not in Japan. Nobody knew it. No. Okay, so, we, so you broke here. We had to explain what it was. Okay. Right? It's so hard to get the, people to understand what it was. At they the had, they had, NHK had super presentation. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that was, that was it. But it, even then, like, that came on at, like, I don't know, some r- weird time and nobody yeah. watched it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So we'd be going in to meet people and they'd be like, what are you wanting to do exactly? And they'd be like, you've got to talk for 18 minutes about a big idea. They'd be like, what, 18 minutes? That's kind of short, right? Mm. Well, like, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, Japanese guys do like to talk in their speeches. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and obviously, I think, like, if you watch a lot of Japanese presentations, Japanese presentations work a lot on data. Mm. People mm. like hard data. Mm-hmm. So if you don't use hard data and you've got, you know, stories that are based on data mm. or, you know, information that's based on data. It's mm. not looked at as being so serious, perhaps. So TED's a bit like that because it uses like nice pictures as backgrounds mm. and things like that. Mm. And it's more kind of narrative based. Yeah, it's a story. Yeah, story based, right? Um, and it doesn't necessarily go over so well straight away with serious kind of business people in mm. Japan. Um, but we managed to, you know, get the support of some forward thinking people, including, you know, Shimazu Limited. Mm. Uh, and after that, uh, why, kind of, why is Shimazu interested in TED? So, I mean, they're interested because, you know, they wanted to change the kind of dynamic of how people work in Kagoshima. Okay. That's like one big vision of the company mm. is, you know, to, to affect change positively mm. um, and to, to bring Kagoshima back to the forefront of, you know, technology and innovation and things like that as well. Mm. So obviously at the scale we're at, it's not possible to, you know, overtake Sony or something like that. But Can, can we you know. actually, so I think when you say this to Natsuki, she just immediately understands. But for those who, people who don't know that much about Kagoshima, when you, says, when you say bring us back to the forefront, what do you mean? So basically at the end of the 19th century, um, 
the Satima domain. This place was previously called Satima, mm-hmm. so that was the feudal domain in this region, um, ruled over by the Shimazu clan, mm-hmm. who were the feudal lords there. Mm-hmm. And and during like the 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 infighting in Japan, they were the, one of the strongest. Yeah, absolutely. If not at sometimes the strongest. Yeah. You know, do we call them armies? What do we call them? Uh, Force? Clans, I guess. Clan? Clan would be the right word, I guess. <laughs> um, and then basically in the late 19th century, they kind of heard that China was getting colonized by Europeans. Mm. And to Japan, like China's a huge country, right? It's mm-hmm. massive. So you think this massive neighbor of ours is getting kind of picked on by... Europeans. These European nations we've never heard of. This guy. Hey. <laughs> and America. Thank you very much. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> So they were kind of panicking, basically, mm. thinking, oh, God, what do we do? So they realized they needed to modernize mm. quickly. So Shimazu Nariakira, who was the lord here, managed to get hold of Dutch textbooks, mm. uh, and they copied the designs in those and made kind of an industrial complex mm. like themselves. So imagine... They started right, making cannons. Making cannons, They yeah. started making guns. Making militarizing <laughs> and, at the same time, with the byproducts from it, making yeah. craft products as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they wanted a strong military and a cultured and rich lifestyle for the people that lived here. At what timing, we have the Satsuma students yeah. who travel to Europe. Uh, one goes to California. Yeah. Uh, what's the timing of that? Is that around this time or is that way after? That's after. It's not too late, too too much later, but it's after that happened. Okay. Um, because basically the start of the Industrial Revolution in Japan was could be argued happened here. Yeah, I mean, the main places would be, you know, Saga and Kagoshima, really. And then also yeah. uh, Sait, and uh, what is it, uh, with Mount Fuji. Uh, Shizuoka? Shizuoka. They also have a, a smelting furnace uh, there yeah, as well. Yeah, reverberatory furnace, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it kind of spread out. The craftspeople from this region went all over the country and taught mm-hmm. people how to modernize mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, that kind of innovative spirit and kind of not giving a shit, really, just giving it a try. Yeah, you should, yeah. Also, you should also mention that at the time when, when Japan was having the, the, the country in change, the Sako, Sakoku, mm. Sakoku yeah. mm. uh, period where the, it's an isolation period of Japan, mm. uh, Satsuma especially, and then like this region continued to trade. Yeah. Mm. They're so, like, screw you and your rules. We're going to do what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, they traded with um, China through Okinawa. Yeah. Using Okinawa as a kind of gateway to the outside. And they also got... Yeah. guns through Tanegashima from the uh, Portuguese was yes. it? Portuguese mm. I think no, uh, yeah, the Dutch? Yeah. Uh, uh, hold on yeah the Dutch so they were mm. yeah. uh, mm. getting guns yeah and then the Portuguese brought Christianity yeah and then yeah. that didn't work out so well well the Spanish it was uh, Francisco Xavier was the, mm. the missionary yeah. they, they came here and then stuff happened they were like we'll have the guns <laughs> but keep the Christianity thank you very much <laughs> um, so, yeah so it's always been like an innovative region always looking to the outside mm. to find interesting mm. things historically right Aww. historically yeah and then when the power moved from you know all around Japan and centralized into Tokyo and stuff like that this region kind of slowly faded well they got left on the outskirts right yeah. so the Political power and, you know, political power was in Edo and Kyoto originally anyway. Edo meaning but, Tokyo. Yeah, Tokyo. But, you know, everything, industry went all the way to Osaka and things like that. And Kagoshima mm. was kind of left with not a lot, really. Yeah. Uh, so it became very agricultural again. Yeah. Um, and never really managed to kind of industrialize properly. Um, so I think people here have got a bit of a complex of being in the country or, you know, being like uh, Inaka, they say in Japanese. Yeah, like, you know, countryside. For a, a region. 
Um, I mean, because like whenever I talk to people, if I go to Tokyo or Osaka or something like that, and they're like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I, I live in Kagoshima. They're like, oh, you live in the countryside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's not that countryside. It's actually quite a big city. We have the bullet train, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> well, actually, for England, this is a big city. You know, it's like a, a, a pretty big city. Your yeah. guys' cities are weird. They're like these tiny little, <laughs> you know, like in America, we have like these, these sprawling cities that just go on forever and ever and yeah, they yeah. never stop you guys actually have like little little things like these little villages that kind of yeah. got a little bit bigger uh. and you all have different accents even though you live five <laughs> minutes from each other yeah 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 but now i understand why shima's got an interest in tedx thank you for yeah, spreading yeah. <laughs> no that's the yeah that's the reason behind yeah. it, mm. that kind of thing mm -hmm. to bring in new ideas to you know and on top of that, at the same time, Shimazu was bidding to create uh, uh, Sengayan as a World Heritage Site. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. one of the things that you know really goes in, the, in your favor to make your to to be a World Heritage Site is to support local cultural uh, things like events and things like that. Yeah. And TED is like obviously it's a cultural thing. I mean, in our TED events, they talked so much about Kagoshima mm. and you know, like just like Katobushi, which is like Bonito Flakes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. all this regional stuff. And so you know, Shimazu was just very interested in that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. and thank you, Shimazu, for being the sponsor for those events. They would not have happened without you, without you guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, t t when we have the sponsor logo page, it's like everybody's logo is like basically sized for how much that they gave, yeah. and it's just like <laughs> those. Oh, big, big. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they they were our main sponsor. They, oh. they, it, it wouldn't have happened without them. No, it wouldn't have happened. No, and it, mm. and I, it happened after that as well. How many did we do? We did quite we did a lot. Five, five, five yeah. total with the yeah. TEDx women and everything. And then a little bit of Pecha Kucha. I wasn't involved with that so much, but yeah. I, I I kind of faded out with Pecha Kucha. Yeah, so can't really comment on that. But anyway, yeah. But then, yeah. so how did you get hooked up? Okay, so. The person who brought in Shimazu as a sponsor was yeah. not you. No, no, no. So how did you then hook up with Shimazu? So uh, I got introduced by Akiko. Yes, mm. yes. Uh, who, you know, got the sponsors together because mm. she's obviously very well known here in A Kagoshima. Akiko is the co-host of Women's Gedoku Show, which yeah. Natsuki is the other co-host. It's a Japanese show made by women for women. Yeah. We'll put a link in the description below. You can, you can click on it and check it out. If you speak Japanese, it's not in English. It's in Japanese. Yeah. So Akiko introduced you. She introduced me, yeah. So we went out for a meal, had a chat, you know, thought about what, you know, his vision was uh, and what he wanted to do with this company uh, and also what, you know, I want to do as a job. Uh, and I said, you know, there's a, a slight dead end with teaching English for me because it's yeah. not, it wasn't the kind of job I, I enjoyed doing it. But I enjoyed doing it because I forced myself to enjoy doing it. If uh, you know what I mean. It wasn't I, your calling. No, not really. I, I kind of learned to love my work mm. so that's helped me now because anything <laughs> i do can be fun you know what i mean you can make anything fun if you Good if you learn you. learn to you. love it right yeah, anything can be lesson. your icky guy you mm. can either do what you love or love what you do mm. you know there's only two choices if yeah. you want to succeed uh, well you so. don't you don't what you don't want to do and, and this is just my personal advice you don't want to go to work and think of work as that thing that you have to do yeah yeah in order for you to do your hobbies. Yeah, yeah. If your job is this thing that you you tolerate in order to do your hobbies, you'll hate your life. Yeah. You'll never be satisfied. Well, it's like work-life balance is one, but like uh, Jeff Bezos was saying like, there's no work-life balance. It's just a blend of the two. So yeah. I mean, you can choose whichever you like, I think. I agree. But... I don't think that there is such thing as a work-life balancing. What does that even mean? Yeah, I know. I mean, is that just because we're workaholics? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're a workaholic as well, I know. Yeah, that. I don't yeah. ever, I've never, I'm never not working. 
But I do enjoy it, though. It's not mm. like I don't enjoy it. It's fun. You know what's terrifying? Having nothing to do. Yeah, yeah. But some people like to having nothing to do. Maybe. I fill my week like I get these long weeks of hol- like I don't know holidays, but there are no class weeks where my school is closed, and I'm like I could easily take that time and do nothing. But every mm. single time we get a, up from one of those weeks, I just fill it with work. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like yeah. I cannot sit still and sit idle. It's mm. just it's horrible. Yeah, I do that as well actually. But I mean, um, when COVID happened, yeah. uh, and you know, Sangai closed down mm. for a period, mm. uh, I took a bit of time off then. And I actually found it really refreshing to... to like just, a sabbatical? Yeah. So just to have some free time. Mm. I came to saying I end during the COVID closure. Yeah. And uh, Alex is always usually wearing a, a nice spiffy two or three piece suit. Mm. He looks very British, looks very proper. <laughs> I came there, you were unshaven and I think in a t-shirt. <laughs> I've yeah. never seen Alex like that. And really? I was like, no. who the fuck are you? Yeah, oh. I was uh, living the wild man life. Oh. Up I was, in the mountains. No, seriously, that was like, it, you could tell, you could feel corona time. Like, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, that was cool, though, in a way, because we had to think of other stuff to do. I mean, obviously, the tourism industry is in real trouble now. You know, people Wait, are, we still haven't got to what your yeah. job is yet. Oh, what right. is your job now? So I'm... Uh, <laughs> I'm the head of overseas business for Shimazu Limited. Yeah. So basically um, in charge of bringing inbound tourism to the region, also promoting, you know, Sengayan and uh, Shimazu Limited's mm-hmm. activities in English, uh, media stuff. So basically um, the outward facing uh, PR of the yeah. company that is not Japanese, everything that's global is your responsibility. Basically, yeah. And a lot of IT stuff as well, because, uh, you know, background in IT as well. Yeah. Yeah. So... So now, obviously, uh, Shimazu is the parent company, but they are they are the the uh, stewards of Sangayan Gardens, which is a World Heritage Site here in Kagoshima. Yep. That's where you primarily work out of. That's right. And you know, until Corona, Sangayan was probably the number one foreign destination in Kagoshima. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, now, with inbound from foreign countries, basically stopped. Yeah. Uh, it's still a favorite for locals. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a really interesting place for you to get to work out. I mean, it's a historical, ja- traditional Japanese, you know, uh, not only just business, but just a, a location. Mm. Well, I mean, for me on paper, it's the perfect job because uh, university, I studied history, yeah. industrial history as well. Mm. So that ties in with the, this region. Mm. And then uh, my hobby was kind of Japanese culture anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously working IT, I got an IT kind of background. So that fits well with digital marketing and kind of web systems and things like that. Uh, and then working as an English teacher taught me communication. Mm. So I learned Japanese. Resourcefulness, communication. And on top of that, yeah. like you learn how to market your product. Yeah. yeah. You know? mm. So I learned how to sell, you know, how to talk to people and keep their attention, um, how not to, um, you know, uh, upset people in conversation because sometimes you can say things that are abrasive or whatever you know he, he still when, does though uh, yeah i know i told yeah <laughs> i get away with it though somehow i don't know how um <laughs> but you know when to dial it back and when to push it out whatever you know Mm-mm. so um you know all those skills came together in one place really mm. so i was lucky you know more than anything um, Th- that's the best kind of job where it just uses all of your particular skills yeah you yeah, just yeah fit mm. Yeah. And you, you look good doing it too. There was a, uh, a Sengayan won a prestigious award in London, I think it was. Yeah, mm. yeah, it was. And, mm. I, and I saw the photo shoot of that on your Facebook. It mm. just, you just 
when you're receiving the award on stage, it just mm. looks like you should be doing that job. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just like your visual fits. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was fun. Though. It was a good event. It, it so. looked like Academy Award. <laughs> yeah, it was quite fancy. It was a fancy thing, you know. Mr. Bradshaw, here is your award. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize we would won. So I was sat at the table, like, having some champagne or something, like, get a little bit tipsy. You and prepare your own tux. You wear very nice tux. That one wasn't a tux. That was a, a suit, suit, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was okay. another one where I was wearing a tuxedo, but that, that one was like a suit. And, um, yeah, we were sat there, and they read out the award winners, and it was like third place, Warner Brothers with the Harry Potter experience in London or whatever. So I was like, oh shit, we're never going to win this. <laughs> uh, and then they were like, second place, uh, sing I end, yeah. So I was like, oh god, that's great. And then the woman next to me went, that's you. You better go up and get it. You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I realised then, but yeah, so we came second. Uh, mm, uh, yeah, so just a good, good achievement. Mm. I, I mean, for a, a small region like where we are here in Japan, to win a global award like that is really, is really cool. Mm. Now, Alex, how long have you been working at, at your company now? That, I mean, and first of all, how old is this company? So Shimazu Limited was founded in 1922. But its roots go back... So it goes back... I mean, the Shimazu family's been in Kagoshima for 800 years. 800 years. Yeah. Mm. So we're talking... You're working for a family that has been established here for 800 years. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then the present CEO is the 33rd generation. 33rd generation. Head of the family. Oh. How many American presidents have we had? Um, I think we're on 45 now. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure that your company's roots go back further than my country. Yeah, but you only do a present at, what, four years, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, each one of your chateaus, your C's are like lifetime, right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So some retired halfway through. Yeah. Know, or passed it on to the son or whatever, but... Yeah. 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 No, no, a, How do you say cost in English? Cost like the imperial family? Uh, imperial family. Royalty. Royalty, yeah. yeah. But I mean, in England, that's something that we're used to. You know, it's pretty normal. Yeah, so, see, I just, I can't deal. Like, you really? guys have like a prince and a princess and everything. And I yeah. love your queen. I great. Yeah. She's great. I love her Christmas address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're now good. on YouTube. She's like the cutest thing in the world. I love her. Mm. <laughs> I don't mean to be disrespectful, but she's the best. Uh, but I can't get into like the actual, like, Real power royalty people, like they just scare me. Yeah, real kings, like real kings. Uh, yeah, well, it's tyrannical dictatorship, right. essentially. <laughs> but um, you know, I mean, in England, it's an institution, right? The aristocracy mm. are still there uh, in a, in a form, you know. But British people kind of deride them as well. It's like you can take the piss out of them if you want to. But isn't it illegal to make fun of the queen in in t on TV? Uh, I don't think so. I thought there's something like Comedy Central couldn't air their episodes making fun of the Queen or something like that. No, I don't, I've never heard anything like that. I mean, there's like spitting image and TV shows like that. Where it's uh, maybe kind you of, can't you know, use her image. Maybe that's what it is. No, spitting image like used an image of the Queen and, you know, all that sex pistols, putting a, you know, what's it, a safety pin through the nose on the <laughs> album cover and stuff, you know. So it's like, you know, people are quite happy to poke fun at the royalty and poke fun at authority. That's like a British thing, right? Royalty in, in England also drives tourism. It does, yeah. It's a huge tourism asset. Yeah. Dude, when the prince got married, it was first. It was like televised all around the world. Yeah. Mm. Did you watch the, the the royal wedding? Yeah, I did. Everybody watched that mm -hmm. shit. It was like it was the biggest PR stunt you guys could have yeah. ever done. Yeah. So I mean, the Japanese imperial family's much more kind of restrained, right? They're more mature. So more mature, <laughs> less scandals, right? You know. Less scandals. Um, <laughs> Far but, less scandals. But like I've I've been I actually been with work to Buckingham Palace hey. a, a few times. Hey. Um, and 
the reason why the building it's so it's a fantastic building obviously mm. and it's got some amazing artwork inside mm. it but the reason why people go there is because uh queen elizabeth lives there yeah that's mm. why they go absolutely you know because you think you might see you're not going to see her but you think <laughs> you think i might see her somewhere or something mm. like that so in japan they could do the same thing you know mm. you might perhaps meet you know somebody from an ancient family or something like that mm. or see them it's quite interesting to think about it like that mm. you know um and there's that kind of you know fantasy element to it as well i suppose in any way well so, for america for americans we see that whole thing it's just like the disney princess palace you know mm. that's kind of what it is though in a way yeah no, i mean you know, that's it, kind of what it is yeah, right yeah. <laughs> so yeah so, so now you you know you you work for shimazu it's yeah. a it's a hundreds of hundreds of years of history behind it yeah so how modern i mean because like can i ask you did they ever hire a foreigner before you no were you no. the first non-japanese person to work for them no i wasn't so there's was, uh before me there was uh cole who is my co-worker she's from taiwan mm. oh, okay so she was uh working there for about uh god almost 10 years i think oh okay before i came in uh, so she started out part-time on the gate, whatever, and then she moved into the office and became kind of sales staff. But we both became full-time employees at the same time. Oh, okay. So we were both kind of the first... But you were the first Westerner that worked first there. First Westerner, yeah. And we were both the first foreign employees together, you know. So. That's 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 interesting. So that, that, that call, call, yeah. call son? Yeah. So, so she or he? She, yeah. Okay, yeah. she was hired for speaking Japanese, I mean Chinese. Yeah, Taiwanese, yeah. So she's uh, Taiwanese. from Taiwan. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Have uh, I met her? I think I've met her before. Yeah, you've met her before. She's a very powerful woman. She's mm. very, very powerful um, and very, very good at a job. Yeah. Um, she, she's like a no BS type of character. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Um, but she's been in Kagoshima for a long time. Mm. You know, long time. And um, yeah, I you know, respect her a lot. Yeah. Now, when you first started working, how long are you working there now? Five years? Five years or so, yeah. So you work for Shimazu. Let's say, let's go back to that first year that you had yeah, yeah. the company. How, how was it? Was it really easy to acclimate <laughs> and, and get along? I'll tell you, the first day I went in, because um, I've been working for myself. Yeah. So I controlled my own schedule. Mm. After doing that for seven years, I kind of knew when I needed to work and when mm. I didn't need to work. Right. So I could just do what I want, wear what I want. You know, but now was, you're working for a team. Mm. So now I'm working for a team for a start. And secondly, there's, with a team, there comes responsibility that is not the same as with your own company. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in your own company, you're responsible for paying people's salaries. You're responsible for whether the company goes broke or not. Yeah. But when you join uh, somebody else's company, mm. you've got to play by their rules. Yeah. Mm. You know, and the first day I walked in, and saw an open plan office with a bunch of Japanese people sat there. Mm. I thought, fucking hell, what have I, <laughs> <laughs> why, what why? Have I done? You why? Know? So I thought, oh no, I'm going to be a salary man. Do, do they have, <laughs> in, in your company, do they have like all the desks facing each other with like the, the, the manager at the end of it looking at everybody? No, actually. Okay. No, God, so Jesus. It's, it's kind of, the desks do face each other, but there's no manager sat at the side. Mm. So there's three at the front. Right at the very front of the office, but that's quite far away. So Guys at home, just Google like a standard Japanese office. They look like a sweatshop. Like they just, <laughs> they, it just looks like that's a place where you go to crush your soul. Yeah. Like they are soul crushing. I mean, we've got a fairly good office, I think. I've been inside your office. Your office is nothing like that. You yeah, guys are nice. fine. Yeah. And we've got a great view. 
Yeah. We've got the best office view in Japan, probably. You guys, that's the thing is you what can... Do you mean, you, what do you mean? You can, you can see Sakurajima? You can see Sakurajima right out the window. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like, uh, you know, the best view of Sakurajima in Kagoshima is uh, right... From Sengai am Outside, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, is you got to you get to walk through that beautiful garden on the way to the office, yeah, too. Yeah. So it's a, a little different with you guys, but... Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so you walk in, you think, oh, fuck... Oh shit! Why? What have I done? Why? No, just because it's such a big change, right? Because yeah. as a foreign person living here, like you think you've got your own kind of freedom in your own like space or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if you work for a Japanese company, you hear all these stories, right? Mm -hmm. So like, stories of like you know zangyo yeah. like, overtime, crazy mm -hmm. overtime, and you know not leaving till the boss leaves, mm -hmm. and uh, all these kind of things, right? Is it happened to you too? Actually, no. Surprisingly, oh. not. Um, that was a, the biggest surprise was the. It wasn't anything like that. Mm. Um, so the boss leaves at 5 p.m. Oh, sorry, 5.30 on the dot. Cool. Every mm. single day. Mm. So finishes everything and he's out at 5.30. Mm. So for me, I was like, whoa, okay. That's this, cool. This looks like a kind of place I'd like to work at. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and all the other senior management as well finish on time. So they're too. good at their jobs. So they've been kind of like, um, not I wouldn't say educated, but kind of put into that mold, mm. right? So when you've done your work, get out of there, and then the other people can feel like they can go home themselves as well. Yeah, because it's a big thing in Japan that uh, a lot of workers don't want to go home before their boss goes home. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they go early to make sure people can leave. Uh, mm. So there's a lot of concentration on you know efficiency and you know rethinking the way that we work, which is not usually a thing in most Japanese companies. No, efficiency is usually not the main focus. No, it's not. No, it isn't all. So it's a strict, you know, regimen and yeah. staying to the same patterns that you've always had. But because I think that Shimazu mentality stayed with them, you know, innovation, um, innovation, changing things, shaking things up, you know, um, and that's made it an interesting place to work. I mean, the first uh, Office-related project I did was getting everybody on paperless, so we got rid of printing materials for meetings completely. Mm. Wow, paperless in a Japanese company. I know we, we did it really early as well, mm. comparatively. So I know I know it's not a new thing in the West, particularly, but uh, everybody got an iPad, and then we got a meeting system on that. Nice. Um, and at first, everybody complained. <laughs> so many complaints. Does it love papers? Yeah, hated it. Uh, but now everybody uses just that, you know. Um, and meetings are much smoother, less printing costs, you know, share information easily. Mm. Uh, and then just technology, bringing in new technology. and you know. Yeah, I would say that Shimazu as a, as a historical, you know, uh, world heritage site, whenever I go in there, I'm always surprised about how much technology you guys, in, you guys incorporate. How, how did old employees adjust to that new custom, like no paper or things like that? It took them a while to get used to it. Oh, so okay. when we did the meetings, mm -hmm. everybody, you know, has their turn to speak or whatever. So mm -hmm. the meetings are still very Japanese style. Yeah. So, you know, everybody takes turns. And when you finish, there's a little feedback and then you finish. But yeah. they'd kind of like not know how to change the page on the iPad and be panicking a little bit. <laughs> so somebody next to them, they'd pass it to we'll somebody help and they'd uh, change okay. it for them. Yeah. But they actually got used to it fairly quickly. Nice. Um, yeah. You know, a couple of months in. Yeah, old people no are not, they're not incapable of learning. They can learn new things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So okay. it took a while to get used to it, but mm -hmm. you know it's, it's getting there. All right, let's 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 kind of like boil this down. Hmm. What have been some of the challenges of working for uh, a traditional Japanese company? Challenges, eh? Mm. 
uh, there are quite a lot of challenges culturally, you know. What are some, yeah, what is it? Because, you know, my, I work for myself. Yeah. Right. So the two companies that I work in, uh, they're, they are my company. So I set the tone for everything. And my companies are very much so like a Silicon Valley type of like, you know, feel to them. Everything's like, you know, startup style. Everything's fun. Yeah. Everything's open. But when I worked for other companies, like, uh, for example, the television company that I used to work for, it was not fun. Because yeah. there's there's so much I just felt like unnecessary rules and you know positioning of people and stuff and I was just like oh you guys are wasting your time like what are you doing? I mean there's a lot of rules, um, paperwork as well, mm-hmm. a lot of paperwork. So some people would pass that off to a Japanese staff member and say I can't do it, I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. But because I'm a stubborn fucker, I just thought <laughs> <laughs> I've got to do it all myself. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to do all the company systems on my own without any assistance um and that actually took a lot longer than i thought it would uh, you know because there's a lot of stuff to do um uh, like you know we've got rid of it actually now but you know ringi show where you've got to uh, make the proposal mm-hmm. and hand it around all the departments and get, get, them to stamp get it. the stamps and stuff actually we've got rid of it uh, mm-hmm. completely now so we have like a digital version that cool. goes through only the people it needs to go through well that's cool mm-hmm. um so that's a kind of recent development but um, at first, those things were a big hurdle. Um, and also gaining consensus, right? Mm. So Japanese companies are quite siloed. So everybody's in their own department, mm. you know, and those departments don't necessarily interact with other departments very well. Yeah, they kind of stick to their little their circles, their little groups, yeah. and then they don't communicate with each other. Yeah. Mm. So a good example of this is like, uh, everybody thinks that Japanese people are super cooperative with each other mm. and work together a lot, mm. but they don't. They work together in small groups mm. very well but not in large groups generally. Mm. So uh, as an example, I don't want to name names or anything like that, but there's an island to the south of here uh, that's got nice beaches. I don't, I, they've they've got quite a lot of different tourism organizations Mm. on just the one island Mm. and it's a tiny island. You know, they could just all do it together. But because each village wants to do their own shit, mm. you know, they, they have to have together. their own group. Yeah. yeah. So it wastes a lot of resources. Yeah. Sounds like, you know, downtown area of Kagoshima, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Temokan area has a lot of the same bullshit yeah. where there's all these little kings, basically. I didn't name it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm named, I, I, my businesses are in Temokan, so okay. <laughs> yeah, they have all these little kings, you know, yeah. and they all have their own little ideas about things. And I'm mm. like, you all just need to work together. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, is none of them are particularly that smart i'm sorry but they're not <laughs> and so like you know if they would work together they would they would have better results yeah, yeah, yeah. but because i think it's pride yeah there's a lot of pride everyone yeah. wants to be number one right mm-hmm. i'm just like and then they just i don't want to talk about it yeah. so kagoshima is unusual because it's got a lot of family businesses so like kigyo is the japanese word for company right mm-hmm. but in kagoshima it's kagyo which means a family uh... business so because it's a family business, the person at the top has a lot of control, right? Mm. Um, and because of that, they've also got a lot of pride. Mm. So it, they find it difficult to work with other groups and things like that as well. I find it almost impossible to work with companies where the top is a biological CEO. Like that's the son of the old CEO or something like that. That whole sire thing. It, yeah, yeah. Especially since... A, now, maybe historically it was different, but in recent terms, especially after the bubble... A lot of the sons that become CEOs of like the former generations are are not very good at what they do. They're yeah. playboys. They waste money. They're not smart. And then <laughs> not, they, they not every case not but, every case yeah. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. they they destroy the companies. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot. If people don't go anywhere else and don't do any other job and then just sit there and take it over, it's probably going to happen, right? Right. But I mean, so, like, I, I know how hard it is because my dad had a business, right? Yeah. Uh, quite successful computer business or whatever. Mm. And he wanted to hand it on to me mm. to take over. But I didn't really want to do it. And I knew that um, his way of doing things would not, not really match with me. It wouldn't be the same. So, you know, we decided not to pass it on and let it, you know, develop however, whatever. But, um, you know, passing it on to the second generation and then the next generation is very, very hard. Mm. You so know, it's not easy. What, what surprises me about your company in particular is because I've met the CEO. He's yeah. a very clever person. He's very well educated. Yeah. You know, he brought you on, which is, I think, a very, you know, unique move. Yeah. And so, like, how do, how in your company, how do they keep the CEOs sharp and, like, you know, able to do their job? Because they are, it's in the family, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the same family line. Well, there's obviously the education and being brought up and seeing it, mm -hmm. seeing it around you, I think. And then, um, you know, he was a banker, you know, mm -hmm. like a quite, you know, quite a good. Successful banker. Successful banker, mm -hmm. really. So going outside of, you know, the sphere and seeing uh, how other so people So he work. went off learned experience and oh, then yeah, came yeah. back yeah quite a long time a long time as well not a short period mm. so you know bringing all that knowledge back as well mm. um has really really changed the way the company could have gone so he knows the world i mean he knows yeah, the yeah. other side of his Very much so. that's yeah. so important mm. that really is important but what i always get the feeling is is this always kind of thinking two steps ahead mm. you know mm. like thinking beyond what i would have thought you know, I think I'm fairly smart, but then I hear an idea and I'm thinking, oh, shit, yeah. I never thought of that. Um, and there's been quite a lot of moments like that, especially in the last couple of years. Where he's, he's just many steps ahead. Like a long way ahead, mm. yeah. Um, but the problem there is obviously that whether people can keep up with it. Or not. <laughs> yeah. Can you, you know? keep up with your CEO who's too sharp? Yeah. <laughs> no, but he is very, very sharp, mm. you know. No. Um, yeah. You know, we're talking about some of the, I guess, the differences and difficulties, but let's talk about some of, uh, before we run out of time, let's talk about some of the wonderful things about working at such a historical company. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, obviously being at a place where it's steeped in history, you know, the history is still alive. It's mm. still alive and kicking. Uh, and, you know, being a part of telling the story that of that to the next generation of people here in Kagoshima and also promoting it to people around the world. You know, it's just like a, a dream job for me, basically. Mm. Um, so you know history, um, you know Kagoshima history more than I do. Like you know very much. So everyone he, knows more than you do. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, did you study after you got in the company? Uh, yeah, I mean, they gave me a lot of education oh. uh, about you know traditional culture and their own culture as well. Just learning Sengai in itself took you know a year and a half, two years maybe. Mm. There are so many things. Whenever Natsuki, whenever we, we we go uh, to Sengai and we work on a project with Alex. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter where we are in the garden. He'll just talk and talk about yeah. every little thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many stories there. Mm. It's just crazy. I mean, the, the gardens were built in 1658. So there's, what, 460 odd years of history there. And then you tack on to that the 800-year lineage of the family as well. Uh, and then the, expand that to the whole region of yeah. Satsuma, of Kagoshima. Mm. And Kagoshima, people don't realize how big it is. It's huge. Mm. I mean, yeah. it spans all the way down to Okinawa almost. It's the longest prefecture in the country. Mm. Yeah. So, so um, you know, there's so much stuff here. Um, and I just, I get upset a little bit that it's not being promoted well mm. or not being told well. Mm. So oftentimes when it comes to promoting in English or whatever, 
it's like the story's not being told as well as it should be. Well, that's um, why we have you. Well, yeah. You're here to fix that. I can't do everything there. <laughs> <laughs> Try to, but I can't. Yeah. All right, Alex, listen, we, we do need to close down the show. We're going to go on for hours. Uh, listen, every time you're on the show, it's always super interesting. Uh, and so we definitely want to have you back. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, though, can you tell us what's going to go on for the rest of the calendar year in, in Sangayan? Yeah, sure. I mean, we've got a few events coming up um, this month. We've got the Chrysanthemum Festival. So there's... Um, Kikumatsuri. Kikumatsuri, that's mm -hmm. right, yeah. So that's a great photo op, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. beautiful. So this year's the, um, what is it, 35th anniversary of Satsuma Kiriko, mm -hmm. the glassware, crystal mm -hmm. glassware we make uh, since it was kind of recreated. Are you guys selling that online yet? Yeah, we sell it online, yeah, but not abroad, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Well, just anyway, give us the link. We'll put it in the description. Yeah, yeah. Check it out, though, definitely. Um, and uh, that's the theme for the Chrysanthemum Festival this year. So there's going to be some great displays with beautiful flowers. The gardeners have spent like six months getting ready for it. Wow. Uh, can so, you can you tell us really quick about how they make the chrysanthemums bloom on time? Nuts. Yeah. I so, was so surprised about this. They have, to, they have to wire them closed. So they do something called osae, hmm. where they wire the buds closed so okay. they all bloom at the same time. Hey! <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that either. But it's so cool. They don't just do it once. They have When it, the thing grows through, they have to do it again. Oh, to keep who, it closed. Who, who, who does gardeners. the gardeners. Oh, gardeners. Yeah, okay. so it's massive, massive wow. effort to do. Massive, massive um, effort. Yeah. So mm. If you see that, it's you know, if you know that when you look at it, it's so much more impressive as well. Mm, mm. Um, and That's then we've true. got uh, what have we got? We've got the teppotai, the rifles, matchlock mm. rifles demonstration in the gardens. Mm. Also drumming. Yeah. Check out the website. All the events are on there. Yeah, we'll link the calendar in the description. Yeah. And also, uh, before we let you go, last thing, can you talk about the annual pass? It's a one-year pass. One-year pass. It's 1,800 yen. So cheap. Buy it as a pair, 1,500 yen. Uh, and you can go to Sengai as much as you want, see all the events, you know. Yeah, buy it. Yeah, it's dirt cheap for what it is. It's so great. Really cheap. Yasugi, hontoni. So buy one. Come to Sengai and buy one. All right, all right, guys, that's been our show this week. Uh, if you guys enjoyed today's show, you know, we're thinking about inviting more guests along for our, our future shows. If you enjoy it, give us a comment below in the, in the comment section. Uh, other than that, thank you very much, Alex, and uh, we'll see you sometime in the future. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Small Talk Japan. Small Talk Japan is recorded at Story Studios in Kagoshima. This podcast stars Michi, Natsuki and Alex and is produced by me, Josh and is executive produced by Michi If you like the show, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Leave us a review and let us know what you think Thank you again and until next week, bye!